Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Here's what we'll be talking about today on AOA. Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance will join us, and we'll talk markets. He's been on the road quite a bit the last couple of weeks. We'll talk about crop conditions, what he's seen in his travels. We're also going to have an interesting conversation today with Dr. Wes Jamison from Palm Beach Atlantic University. Um, he is a well-known speaker on the subject of how the animal rights movement is working uh, through churches and using religion as a way to get their message across. And uh, he uh, speaks out quite a bit on this. In fact, has a new book out about uh, what the Bible says about eating meat and uh, things like that. So we're going to get into that very interesting discussion a little bit later on in our program. Also today, uh, Greg Tilka with uh, Iowa State. He's a nematologist. Uh, and the leader of the Soybean Cyst Nematode Coalition. What about SCN in a year like this? The wet conditions, the delayed planting, how does that affect SCN? Um, Worse or better? We'll find out coming up on our program later today. But right now, we are going to start things off with a look at the news. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report is with us. And I believe, Jerry, you are in North Dakota today, right? I am am indeed. I got here last night to... uh, visit my family farm and my relatives and my friends here. Uh, I haven't been out to the farm yet. I'm still in Bismarck, but it's certainly beautifully green here as, as, as it was as the plane landed. Well, as we take a look, uh, some interesting numbers. Uh, we've been wondering about these prevent plant acres. Uh, Ag Department officials now saying that more than one billion with a B, $1 billion in insurance claims for acreage uh, unable to be planted uh, filed this year, and uh, those prevent plant acres could be in excess of $10 million. That's right. And $10 million is the highest level that we've had in recent memory. Uh, so it will be a record year. And, of course, I'm wondering, what is this going to mean for actual crop production for the a number of bushels that we have in all these different crops by the end of the uh, by the end of the growing season. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's very uncertain. I would say it's more market uncertainty than ever. Yeah, a lot of questions. That's for sure. We're going to be talking markets coming up here in our next segment. Meanwhile, when we look at what's going on in Washington, uh, let's uh, let's on the trade front. A lot of optimism as we talked about uh, yesterday on the show a lot of optimism something's going to move forward with china but we're still waiting on details aren't we well yes uh i would say there's optimism and there's skepticism because there's been a lot of this talk before now china's supposed to buy more soybeans and uh probably more pork uh maybe more ethanol uh but i think that the market analysts have gotten to the point of saying well we'll we'll believe it when it happens uh, and uh, some of the, the uh, Trump aides have been saying, uh, well, you know, don't get your hopes up too high for a deal with China soon. You know, the last mile is the hardest part. Uh, and uh, that, does seem to, that does seem to be the case. Uh, so we just have to, you know, uh, 
one more one more uncertainty, uh, uh, but it's better than the situation was before Trump went to the uh, G20 meeting. Yeah, it's not perfect. Uh, it's not done, but it's at least better. Let's talk about the USMCA. Uh, how do you read House Democrats on USMCA? Uh, Nancy Pelosi says we want to pass this deal, but uh, the Democrats have pointed out several things they want changed or addressed. Uh, how do you see this playing out? Well, the biggest concern is enforcement. Uh, uh, my my feeling is that uh, in the end, Speaker Pelosi really does want to pass this because she thinks it's better than the uh, than the old North American Free Trade Agreement. Uh, 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 but no one is going to be willing to uh, say that they're for it that un- unquestionably until it really comes very close uh, close to a vote. They're going to try to get as much as they as they can. Uh, it sounds like Pelosi is saying it should be opened only to deal with enforcement issues as opposed to any of the other things uh, like environmental and labor issues. Although you could say that that on the issue of enforcement, it could affect both of those things. Those are the two issues that the that the Democrats are the are the uh, uh, most uh, concerned about. Yeah, and it, you wonder can you start opening if you start opening it up a little, then you've opened the lid, and then the, you may lead to bigger things, and of course uh, that would put the whole thing in jeopardy. Right, right, and that's why uh, Congressman Jimmy Panetta. Of California, uh, whom I would regard as a moderate, uh, uh, is talking about maybe some kind of side agreement on uh, on these on these matters that that uh, that bothers the Democrats so much. Uh, uh, you know, there are there is a theory that if Pelosi uh, agreed to bring it to the floor, that it would have the votes to pass. Uh, uh, but so far, she has not said she would do that. And the Republicans are being very respectful of her. Secretary Perdue uh, last week uh, told the National Council of Pharma Cooperatives that she is, she is being very deliberative. They're not making cutting comments about Pelosi on this issue. So I think they're hoping to uh, achieve a bipartisanship that can get it through. On another front, it is interesting, some Republican uh, members of Congress, uh, some GOP senators, wanting Secretary Purdue to stay out of uh, RFS decisions when it comes to the uh, the small refinery exemptions. Uh, yes. Now, these, of course, these are oil state senators who don't right. like ethanol, period. And uh, what's happening here is a reaction to apparently what President Trump has said after his visit to Iowa. Trump thought he was going to be universally loved in Iowa and was shocked to find that farmers would even take him on in public about these small refinery waivers. And he came back to Washington and said, well, we've got to address this. The farmers aren't happy. Well, of course, uh, the, you know, the fact that the farmers are, are not happy uh, uh, and that he wants to address it upsets the oil industry. Now, when when Purdue talked to the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives yesterday or last week. He said that Purdue call, that Trump called him and asked for his advice on the small refinery waivers. So this may also have uh, caused the oil industry to become really upset about this, and these 12 senators to write this letter. And in addition to that, 
Uh, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana has put a hold on some nominations for USDA positions. So we see the, the classic battle here between oil and the ethanol producers. Yep, the battle continues. All right, Jerry, thanks a lot. Enjoy North Dakota. Thank you. We'll talk to you when Congress is back in session. Okay, Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Up next, we'll talk markets with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo AgriFinance. And what about those controversial USDA numbers? We'll talk about it next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we know it was a rough weekend this past weekend for several parts of the country, and especially in wheat country. We're going to go to Kansas now, talk with Justin Gilpin. He's the CEO of the Kansas Wheat Growers. Justin, thank you for being with us. Bad weather at a bad time for a lot of your growers this past weekend. Well, you can sure sum up the whole year by saying that statement, couldn't you, Mike? It, it, yeah. it was a tough weekend with storms that, that came through, which uh, unfortunately has, has been a theme for this year's crop and how we've been affected by rains and uh, uh, just abnormal weather. And But certainly this weekend we had uh, severe storms that came through that really impacted a crop that's just on the verge of being harvested. You know, where we're at right now with uh, Oklahoma and Kansas, Oklahoma's about half half harvested. Uh, Kansas is waiting to get started. We're way behind where we would normally be just because we've had such wet weather. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we mentioned this earlier, but uh, looking at some of these uh, numbers, some of these estimates... Uh, as far as prevent plant acres are concerned, could be upwards of $1 billion in insurance claims, according to USDA officials. And as we mentioned, could be over 10 million acres of prevent plant this year. So we kind of wait to try to get a handle on all those, but uh, just certainly, you know, massive numbers. And we continue to look at uh, the reaction to those numbers and um, what it's going to mean as far as production this year. It's going to be a, a year where we're going to spend, I think, all growing season trying to get a handle on that. Certainly, most people were very critical and um, questioned, to say the least, the latest uh, numbers out from USDA late last week. So uh, we are you know, kind of left scratching our heads a bit about where we're going to go with this and uh, are they going to revise those numbers many expect that uh, surely they will but when and how much a lot of questions there still to be answered and we're going to talk about some of that here in just a moment we hope with uh, steve nicholson uh, with robo agri finances we're still waiting to uh, be able to connect with with him but um, in the meantime we'll talk a lot Take a look at some of the other issues that we are looking at. Coming up, by the way, coming up in our next segment, this is going to be interesting. Um, Dr. Wes Jameson is a well-known speaker and author on the subject of how the animal rights movement uh, is trying to use churches and religion to get their uh, agenda across. And he's written another book about uh, addressing um, what the Bible says about eating meat. And uh, we're going to have that conversation coming up here in just a bit very interesting because uh, a lot of people a lot of times try to you know they want to quote the scripture and use that in um, how they justify a certain position and he's going to take a look at that issue and where we should be looking what we should be looking at uh, when it comes to uh, that particular topic and also a little bit later on we're going to talk with Greg Tilka Iowa State nematologist as we're going to be looking at uh, the conditions this year, how they uh, may affect SC and soybean cyst nematode more or less this year. That's uh, what we're kind of wondering about. Uh, Will that affect the SCN population, the issue that we are dealing with there? So we'll get the very latest on that coming up in a bit. Looking at some of the other uh, news, uh, we're still waiting uh, for more of those details from the uh, China discussions, of course. Uh, now that uh, President Trump and President Xi have agreed to uh, kind of a, a truce, if you will, in the uh, in the trade war. Now, China supposedly has promised to buy large amounts of ag products from U.S. farmers. At least that's what President Trump has said. 
Um, we're kind of waiting to see what that list might be. Soybeans are expected to be a big part of that list, and uh, growers of soybeans have been uh, certainly very hard hit by this trade war. And um, pork is another possibility here. Um, pork producers have been hit very hard by the tariffs. Of course, China has the African swine fever situation just decimating their herds, and um, it looks like a uh, prime time to be able to sell more pork into China if, if we can get uh, those tariffs lifted. Meanwhile, ethanol exports to China could also rise. Um, they were just starting to pick up when all this started, and now they've been shut down, of course. And uh, there's a lot of hope that maybe ethanol exports into China will increase as well. Meanwhile, we haven't talked too much about this. The focus has been on USMCA, US China, US Japan, what's going on between the United States and the European Union. Well, the President's Trade Office has added another $4 billion worth of European imports, including pork, cheese, olives, and pasta to a list of goods that the U.S. plans to put tariffs on in retaliation for the EU subsidies to the aircraft manufacturer Airbus. So, you know, any talk of a deal between the U.S. and the EU, it seems to be even further away now as uh, the tariff war has um, increased now on the EU with more tariffs going on there. Mentioned this earlier, I think this will be interesting uh, we just talked about this with Jerry Hagstrom. Uh, the battle over the RFS waivers. Uh, Secretary Purdue has weighed in on this from time to time, saying he doesn't agree with these small refinery exemptions that EPA has been granting. And uh, uh, now several Republican senators, oil state senators, oil supporters, have uh, said that they want Secretary Purdue to stay out of uh uh, the EPA's waivers and doesn't want him weighing in on the, those small refinery exemptions. So that's interesting to see uh, the pressure from within the Republican Party, and we see if we'll see if that has any influence or not on uh, future decisions. We're still waiting to see on that. All right, so it looks like we may not have Steve Nicholson. I was assumed because we have not heard as of yet from him. So we'll try to catch up with Steve another time. We'd hope to be able to talk with him about uh, the markets and his reaction to uh, these USDA numbers that have been coming out and people have not agreed with them at all as far as the acreage, the amount planted and intended, the intentions and things like that. And I think we went into Friday's report saying, you know, we're not expecting to uh, agree with those numbers, thinking they would be out of date before they ever came out, but they were so far uh, apart from what most people thought that uh, you know the usual questioning of USDA numbers went far beyond that to people not only just scratching their heads, but just out and out saying why. And some people saying why even put out the report because it was going to be out of date anyway. And to come up with the report with numbers that far from what they were expecting uh, has left a lot of people questioning the, the reports all together. So uh, we'll be talking more about that in the days ahead as well as we wait for more accurate numbers and more information on 
just where we're at as far as planting and start getting a better idea of crop production too. Um, you know, some of these some of these areas that were so wet and so delayed in planting now have had some so much dry hot weather that there's crusting and it's hard for those uh, crops to get up, especially some of these uh, late planted soybeans. So we have a new challenge going on there. Meanwhile, coming up tomorrow, I wanted to mention this uh, wheat harvest going on in Kansas. And tomorrow we are going to talk with the CEO of the Kansas Wheat Growers, Justin Gilpin. I chatted with him just a little bit this morning, and he says things are going pretty good. Uh, from what he's seeing and people he's talking to, uh, some pretty good yields. And uh, I mentioned to him it, it, it's nice to have some good news to talk about for a change. Now, we know they had some uh, uh, recently some weather damage there, some hail damage. But overall, it seems like uh, there's some pretty good wheat yields coming in. So looking forward to talking with um, Justin tomorrow and getting a better handle on that Kansas wheat harvest that is uh, going on right now. I know here in Illinois, I've seen some uh, wheat fields already harvested. And we're not a big wheat state here in Illinois, but uh, already some uh, out. And as I've been driving around here in the central west central illinois it's amazing the variability on crops not amazing i mean we all have known what it was going to be like but you, you can see on one side of the road you'll see a, a, a cornfield where corn for this year looks pretty good and just right across the road uh, you know a field that's hardly up uh, not very high at all so it's just amazing the variability a lot of haying going on certainly in this part of the uh, the country taking advantage of uh, some of this hot dry weather that we've had and it looks like according to that forecast may change here in the next few days as Bryce Anderson told us we may uh, have a period here of some precipitation uh, coming up uh, kind of much needed in some places uh, but maybe not so much in others so we'll keep an eye on that as we head into this uh, 4th of July holiday. All right, so I guess Steve Nicholson is not going to be able to join us uh, to talk about markets but coming up next Dr. Wes Jamison uh, Professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University, looking at how the animal rights, the animal activist groups use religion to get their point across and push their agenda. And they're very active uh, with some churches, some denominations, some pastors. Uh, Dr. Jameson himself, a, a pastor, he's going to talk about this and a new book that he has uh, written looking at what the Bible has to say about eating meat because there are some vegan groups that uh, use the Bible to try to push their position and make people feel bad about eating meat. He'll talk about that and more. That's coming up next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov drugdisposal drug disposal. 
Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18 wheelers and large buses have big blind spots and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, we've got a Tuesday mix. After early losses in corn, we are firming up an hour into the day. Crop conditions in the U.S. continued to lag behind the same time last year. Some 54% of the soybean crop is in good or excellent shape, according to USDA. That's down from 71 last year. 56% of corn in good or excellent shape, well below 76% at this time last year. The story for wheat this week, according to the Wire Talk, is that U.S. prices are a little too pricey. In its two most recent tenders, Egypt secured over 4 million metric tons of wheat from Romania and from Russia. In corn futures, an hour into the day, new crop December up 2.5 at 4.25. December extended lower in a continuation of Friday's massive sell-off yesterday. Monday's selling tugging December corn into old gap support from 4.20 to 4.20 and 3 quarters. In soybean futures, new crop November down two at 906 and three quarters. Chicago wheat September down five and a quarter at 506 and a half. Kansas City wheat September down six and three quarters, 437 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat September down three and three quarters at 540 and three quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck, we are rallying in cattle futures, cash cattle asking prices. Said to be around 110 to 111 live in the south, 182 dressed in the north. Bid seen at 107. August live cattle, 85 cents higher at 104.95. Feeder cattle August up a dollar 17, 138.22. Lean hogs August up a dollar 17, 79.87. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. As animal rights, animal activist groups use religion to push their agenda... 
a lot of questions uh, may come up in people's minds. People in church wondering, is it right to eat meat? Is it right to raise animals the way we do? And those are the types of questions that these groups uh, want uh, people thinking about and asking. Well, someone who has spoken quite a bit about this and written quite a bit about this is our guest now, Dr. Wes Jamison from Palm Beach Atlantic University. Wes, good to talk with you again. We haven't talked in quite some time, uh, but you actually have a book out talking about what the Bible says about eating meat. Uh, tell us what a little bit about this book and, and why you wrote it. Hey, Mike, it's good to be back on. Good to reconnect with you. The title of the book is actually, What Would Jesus Really Eat? And the book was written as a short reference guide, sort of a tool for people who know what they eat. They just want to kind of be reassured why they eat it. Animal rights groups out there have decided to try to take religion, and particularly Christianity, and switch around its historical meanings and its biblical meanings and try to convince believers and Christians and people in churches that eating meat is wrong. And so myself and some other scholars got together and decided to write a short, accessible book so that people could look and see, oh, here's why we have permission. Not only do we have permission, it's actually good and right to eat meat and raise animals. For heaven's sakes, animal agriculture has been taking a beating for a very long time, but on this one, it's a no-brainer. People can eat meat, they can raise animals, and do it joyfully. You and I have talked about this before. You have spoken out about this over the years. Why these groups are targeting churches and religion uh, as uh, as the vehicle for their message and there are some there are some good reasons why they're doing that they they see uh they see an opening there don't they yeah i mike back uh several years ago the philosopher peter singer put his finger on it for animal rights saying that really christianity was the last bulwark preventing the animal rights movement once was succeeding and that's because the Christian religion teaches that people are special, uh, that they're exceptional, that they're created in God's image, and that Christianity teaches people that they can have dominion over the earth and subdue the earth and use animals for their own pleasure. And so animal rights philosophers and leaders realized that the Christian religion was one of those, think of it as a levy, holding out against the floodwaters of animal rights, and that if they could destroy the levy or weaken it, that the animal rights movement could be successful. So for at least the last 10 to 12 years, they've been working very closely with some denominations to try to create materials that basically create guilt in Christians and churchgoers about their eating habits. So they saw that opening. Another opening they saw when you read their materials is that a lot of people, although they know they have turkey for Thanksgiving and steak over the 4th of July and ribs, they can't really defend themselves biblically or religiously from all the attacks they're hearing. So when their pastors or priests get information from Humane Society and begin to preach from the pulpit that what they're doing is wrong, they're flabbergasted. So we wanted to create a tool that's, that's based entirely on the Christian Bible and on Christian uh, historical tradition to let people know you not only can defend yourself, you can feel proud about eating meat and raising animals. Well, let's talk about some of those points. What are some things that you want people to know uh, that you uh, highlight in your book? Well, uh, what we want them to know is that words matter, that the, the strategy of the animal rights theologians has been to take concepts like dominion and stewardship 
and human exceptionalism that were created in God's image. And although, although they use the same words, Mike, they implement their meaning sort of like a jar and put their own meaning in them. And then they twist the words around so that although they sound religious and Christian, they're really teaching directly against what Christianity teaches. So words matter, and then what else we want the listeners to keep in mind is that as you begin to look at both Christian history and the Bible itself, it's overwhelmingly clear that you have permission to raise animals, to kill them, to eat them, to enjoy them, and do so with joy. And here's something that people might, may forget or may not know. Jesus was a very good Jew. He was a perfect Jew, and he kept the Passover, which means he would have individually taken and killed a lamb and ate it. Uh, he not only ate animals, he commended others and killed animals and prepared them for others. Uh, so even Christ himself ate animals. And then think about the Old Testament in the sacrificial system. It's been estimated that uh, in the sacrificial system in Israel, uh, the Jews would sacrifice between 1.5 and 1.8 million animals during the sacrificial season. That's a lot of animals, Mike. And it would have taken industrial agriculture, confinement agriculture, to raise that amount of animals. And keep in mind that the Jews did so without anesthesia, without stunning, and that the rabbis would stand literally knee-deep in puddles of blood as they killed animals for the, for the Passover and for other sacrifices. So you can stand assured uh, that both Old Testament and New Testament, that the killing of animals is not somehow condemned. It's not only condoned, it's commanded in many instances, and certainly receives a blessing. So there's all kinds of support in the book. So the book's basically laid out to not only give you scriptural support, but historical and traditional support, as well as ethical support for eating meat and raising animals. It's a short little book, not very long, very readable, very easily written, uh, for people to basically be able to take it, give it to their pastors, give it to the teachers in school, maybe even use it themselves. And that way to be able to say, you know what, it's a good thing that we eat meat. It's a wonderful thing, and uh, I don't need to feel guilty about it. We're talking with Dr. Wes Jamison. He's uh, with Palm Beach Atlantic University, author and uh, speaker on this uh, particular topic. Wes, uh, there are pastors who uh, have preached from the pulpit uh, against uh, meat and, and, and livestock production, haven't there? Yes, there are. They tend to be localized in, in, in certain denominations, the Episcopalians and the Methodists, and what I would call some of the more progressive or high church organizations. Uh, but when, if you want to base your eating decisions on what the Bible actually says versus some um, social welfare mandate, or if you want to base your eating habits and, in fact, your decision to raise animals, uh, for food uh, and fiber, based upon not only Christian the Bible, but also Christian tradition, it's unequivocal that you can do so, and I would just say that the pastors who teach against it are wrong. In fact, it's warned against. So for the listeners out there, I would just uh, commend them to take a look at First uh, Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5, that, that basically warns people not to listen to anyone who says that you should abstain from eat, eating certain foods like meat. Uh, it not only uh, it not only does it give you permission, it actually warns you not to listen to those sorts of people. So that's my word for your listeners, Mike, is uh, they can not only feel good about it, but they can be armed and ready to defend themselves when someone tries to tell them no. 
Yeah, the animal activist movement, uh, we've seen them in in school systems working trying to get teachers to advance their their agenda now we're talking and we've seen it uh, in churches uh so it's amazing it's if someone wants to be a vegan for example always say that's their choice but then when these groups try to demonize uh, those that do eat meat or the livestock production in our country uh you know to me that that's where you're you're crossing a line i agree and once again, uh, you know, uh, the Christian scriptures are sufficient for, in all matters of faith and conduct. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 14 that those who do not eat meat for reasons of conscience are actually weak in their faith. And it warns in Romans 14, don't make your convictions if you're a vegan or vegetarian. Don't try to tell others they should feel bad. In other words, what you just said is supported by Romans chapter 14 in the Bible, that you may think it's right for you not to eat but you dare not tell someone else they ought not to do it. Uh, but as you and I know, Mike, we've been around this rodeo a long time. Uh, uh, the uh, animal rights movement's pretty sophisticated in trying to pick off the weak links, and they will use anything or say almost anything uh, and do almost anything to try to undermine people's support for animal agriculture. And I can uh, tell you assuredly, if listeners wanted to investigate it, they can go to the Humane Society of the United States website under their Faith Outreach Program and see the Sunday school studies, the resources they tried to develop, the way they tried to influence uh, congregations and denominations wrongly and falsely, but nonetheless, they're intending to do so. Mm-hmm. Okay, name of your book again, and where can people get it? It is called, What Would Jesus Really Eat? A Christian Defense of Meat Eating. And they can get information on ordering it at info at animalagalliance.org. For the next three months, Animal Ag Alliance will be handling the book, and then it will come out on uh, it will come out on Barnes and Noble and elsewhere and Amazon after three months. But info at animalagalliance.org. And we uh, encourage people to uh, to read your book, and uh, I think it's some uh, very valuable information. To, to kind of learn yourself uh, for ourselves about the biblical teachings on this topic, but also be aware of what uh, is being said and the misinformation that is out there as well, and be aware of what is going on. Wes, good to talk with you again, and I hope to stay in touch with you, and uh, we'll talk more about this in the future, okay? Thank you, Mike. Take care. You too. Thank you. Dr. Wes Jameson with Palm Beach Atlantic University well-known speaker and author on, on this uh, topic of when it comes to religion and eating meat and livestock production. All right, coming up next, how has uh, the uh, conditions this year, the wet weather, delayed planting, how's that affecting uh, soybean cyst nematode? We'll talk about that next with Greg Tilka with Iowa State. Stay with us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. 
Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, Manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. My mom, a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today. 800-745-3327. 800-745-3327. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Pressure on agriculture, on environmental issues, has been growing the last several years and looks to probably intensify in the years to come let's talk about that with the ceo for the center for food integrity charlie arnott charlie thank you for being with us i know it certainly looks like the public at large and maybe some policymakers uh, don't feel that agriculture is doing enough when it comes to reducing uh, its carbon footprint now agriculture has a good story to tell but there seems to be uh, kind of a, a disconnect here right now well, you're exactly right, Mike, and there are a number of things that are that are at play here kind of simultaneously. It's a change in consumer attitudes, consumer, uh, consumer purchasing behavior, the emergence and the growth of the purpose-driven consumer. We're also seeing that lack of appreciation and awareness of what actually happens on farms, the bias against size and scale of agriculture, and a number of other factors. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. 
She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, a lot of different ways that... uh, were impacted uh, by the weather this spring. Crops either didn't get planted or well behind. Uh, Challenges with weeds, trying to uh, get them under control. Spraying has been difficult at times. What about soybean cyst nematode? Uh, Joining us now is Greg Tilka, Iowa State nematologist and uh, the SCN Coalition leader. Greg, good to talk with you again. Does the wet conditions and delayed planting we had this year what impact does that have on SCN? Well, Mike, first off, thank you for having me. It's good to talk to you. And um, it, some folks have been wondering or hoping that the flooded soils or saturated soils and, and so forth would drown soybean cyst nematode. And the bad news there is that um, the nematode absorbs oxygen through its body wall or its skin, and so you, in short, can't drown a nematode. Furthermore, more bad news is that flooding moves soil, and soil will have the nematode in it, and so soybean cyst nematode could have been spread around uh, to places that it hadn't existed before. So uh, not much good news in terms of the, the heavy rains we've had and the flooding. In fact, it, could it make it worse? Um, yeah, it, it could make it worse. Um, there could be additional nematodes, soybean cyst nematode, um, brought into a field. Uh, probably the, the, the worst would be if a field had not had soybean cyst nematode in the past and either uh, flood water or surface erosion, uh, soil moved by that water is moved into a field that had not had soybean cyst nematode before. Now, um, there's, a, there's a tiny bit of um, uh, silver lining to the storm clouds in that because planting has been so delayed due to the wet conditions, um, we might have one less turn of the SCN life cycle this growing season. And so there might be uh, less of an increase in numbers than in a normal year when the crop gets planted on a normal date. But regardless, as you have been talking about and others have been talking about for some time, it's critically important for soybean growers to have a long-term management plan when it comes to soybean cyst nematode. 
Absolutely, Mike. And, and the word that we have unified in using is active management plan. So there's a national education effort underway, funded by private industry as well as the soybean checkoff called the SCN Coalition. And the emphasis is on active management. In decades past, farmers would simply plant a resistant soybean and the problem would have been taken care of but the nematode has become resistant to the resistance in many of the states growing soybeans, and so uh, farmers need to kind of re-engage in thinking about managing SCN, and it all starts with pulling soil samples in the fall, and that's especially important the flooding and uh, movement of soil we've experienced with all the heavy rains this spring. We've talked about this before. Uh, there's a lot of yield loss that never gets probably attributed to uh, SCN because farmers may think it's something else. This year, there's certainly lots of reasons for a reduced yield, and they may not think about soybean cyst nematode. You're spot on, Mike. That's exactly the case in any given year, and particularly this year. And so in encouraging farmers to to in managing uh, SCN, I've drawn an analogy with blood pressure in humans, and a lot of folks are walking around with high blood pressure and don't know it until they go into the doctors and, and get checked. And so, um, you could be suffering uh, some damage as a person with high blood pressure or with yield loss with soybean cyst nematode, and you need to check. And to check for SCN is a soil sample. And then the analogy with high blood pressure goes one step further in that there's no single thing that a person should do to manage high blood pressure. There would be medicine and diet change and exercise and other things. And farmers need that same mindset with managing SCN. There's resistant soybeans and seed treatments and rotating to non-host crops. So that's what we mean by actively managing SCN, knowing your numbers and then approaching the management of the problem with a multifaceted approach. So it's an ongoing battle, right, uh, Greg? It's not something, well, I got rid of it and now I'm done with it. I mean, it's just ongoing. Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, I find myself even depressing myself because I don't have a whole lot of good news to tell folks. Um, it's never going to go away. Well, it would if we stopped growing soybeans for two decades, but nobody wants that. Uh, it's a chronic health problem in terms of the soybean crop, and some years are better, less yield loss due to SCN than other years, but I often call it the energizer bunny below ground or in the soil in that it keeps going and going in terms of reproduction and yield loss no matter what the weather conditions are. So do those soil tests and uh, you, you know, get a lot, farmers have a lot of other things on their minds this year, all the challenges, but uh, don't overlook this one, right? Right. This could be a fatal mistake um, or a near-fatal mistake, maybe not necessarily this year, but the next hot, dry growing season when SCN causes extreme losses, um, there could be some surprising losses. So uh, I want to mention to to your listeners also that this SCN Coalition has a website with tremendous information specific for each state. And so uh, more information can be found on the website name, and it is the scncoalition.com no spaces so the scncoalition.com yeah check it out and again as we said at the beginning don't 
assume or don't think that those nematodes got drowned out this year because that wasn't the case. Exactly. All right, Greg, thank you for the update. We appreciate it. Uh, Good talking to you, Mike. Thank you. Take care. Greg Tilka, Iowa State nematologist and uh, leader of the Soybean Cyst Nematode Coalition. All right. Well, I finally uh, did make contact again with Steve Nicholson, uh, grain and oilseeds analyst with Robo Agri Finance. We got the things worked out. He's going to join us on tomorrow's program, talk about markets and reaction to those uh, controversial USDA planting numbers. We'll get into all that coming up tomorrow. Plus, we'll have an update on the wheat harvest in Kansas. Lots coming up. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95... I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me. Your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100 and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.